Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message from Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us on the web at vinelife.com or read our blog at inthecurrent.net. Good morning. You guys well? You can answer me. Okay. It was a two-sided question. Um, We're just in a great season and an exciting time and something really special that I want to do this morning. In the student ministries, it has just been a time of transition. I'll just back up for, you know, the last four or five years, we've had a fantastic team here, um, a staff team specifically of uh, head up by Jamie Mertens, and he's done an awesome job. So proud of him. And, um, and then, and then a part of Jamie's staff was was uh, Danielle DeGeorge and, and John Graney, who led worship, and and then they've had just this incredible, incredible volunteer team, and that team is still here today, and just some awesome folks that love young people. So I'm encouraged by that. But we're in a new season, so it was a couple of months ago, probably uh, thereabouts, where Jamie took me out uh, and he said, "Hey, let's go chat." and uh, just had uh, some stuff to share with me, and he began to just just talk to me about his journey the last few years, what the Lord's been saying to him, doing, and specifically um, some opportunity he has with some friends of ours in Denver at a church called Bloom. These guys are great folks, people that we love and trust and care about. And uh, Jamie and Bree have had a relationship with them for some time, and uh, I've been down there with them at that church multiple times. And uh, being down there with them, I can tell you for... Uh, the last few years from time to time, there, there was a part of me every time I was there that wondered, hmm, I wonder if Jamie will be here someday. It's just, it's just kind of like a shoe that fits but, you know, for him. And so we are excited, excited for Jamie. Uh, next week, uh, I'd make sure you're here. What we want to do next week together as a family is we want to send Jamie off from here. Right, We want to send him, as the Vine Life family, just to a new season uh, in his life that is going to be exciting, exciting, exciting. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, so, Jamie, we'll, we're going to miss you, but bef- we'll, we'll cry and snot and do all that next week, and it'll be, it'll be good. But that leads us to, to a new season that we're in, right? And uh, as some leaders have moved on into new and exciting and other things, we begin to pray, Lord, Lord, who's the next team? And um, just moving forward, what do you want to do here, God? And, and it's something, quite honestly, that we take very, very, very serious here. We don't just look for a warm body and go tag, you're it. You know? It's something we really pray about, and we've done that, and we've t- taken it serious. So I've spent some time with, um, with Bob and uh, my dad and the elders and these guys, and we've prayed into who should be the, the next youth pastor, who should lead the charge, and then who should uh, that person have on their team to lead worship and um, just, just to be a part of that, that team. And we found that person. And for me, it's probably one of the most exciting days, one of the absolutely most exciting days for me because uh, it's my sister, Amy. Yes. And... Um, I remember when I first came on staff, and, and there was just some thought um, from people that aren't here now. <laughs> it's a 
joke, but I'm serious. And they were like, man, he's, he's only on staff because his dad's the pastor. Of course, that's not true. Um, it's not true. It's a bonus. It's a bonus because I love being on staff with my dad, but I've been a pastor all these years because the Lord's called me to it. And I can say that the same is true about my little sister. Since she was a little girl, I've watched her grow, and I've just been in awe of her. Just the Spirit of God that is on her, the anointing that is on her, what she carries in the kingdom, it's huge. And you're going to see that too in the coming weeks, months, and years, and it's going to blow you away. Not only her, but her team. Uh, so what I want to do is uh, invite Amy, of course, but we've also, just through a lot of prayer, uh, identified both Piper Kepin and, and Danny Cordova. I want to invite them. Why don't you guys give them a hand? These guys are just fantastic. And, uh, of course, some are family. Well, they're all family to me at, at this point. And just a lot of prayer. And we just this morning want to agree with the Lord with what he's doing in your life. And as a family, what, we're, what we just want to do is say yes. Um, I'm, I want to let Amy just share briefly just some things on your heart, maybe how we can partner with you, ways we can help, maybe some of your needs. And uh, Amy, what would you share? And then when she's done, I want to pray for all of them. So that will just be great. Thanks. Um, well, you're right. I'm not here just because I'm daddy's little girl, even though I am. Um, I just want to share with you guys what's really neat about this moment for me is I was raised in this church, and I can remember being a youth crying out for the Lord and crying out for the Lord in this place. And um, there was a time of transition when I was in high school where we didn't have a youth pastor for months. And I remember just crying out and crying out to the Lord because I didn't want to leave my youth group without it thriving. And I, and I actually went to the leadership of the church and I said, I think it's supposed to be Jason. And, um, and it was. And what's so amazing is how the Lord brings it full circle. And I never thought that I would be in this position down the road. And so God is good. And he has a good plan for all of us. And um, this transition has been beautiful. Jamie and I could not have done it without our team. They've been behind us. And they've been wonderful. But real quick, I want to just talk to my kids. So y'all just get to listen in, okay? One of our concerns for you guys was... My high schoolers, my junior hires, are you guys going to be okay that Papa, we, we call him Papa Jamie and me Mama Amy. And, 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 you know, we just have this concern all the time. Are our kids thriving? Are they pursuing the Lord? Are they, are they seeking his will for their life? Are, are they not just making a college decision based upon just w- what a good school is, but really asking the Lord, what's the next step for them? And, um... You guys, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Like, Jamie and I, we don't, we're not talking about our concerns for you. I had um, one of our awesome students, Raina, spent the day with me, and she was having dinner with my husband and I. And, and she was just, we sat on our couch. Actually, we were going over the story of Gideon. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's kind of interesting. And um, 
she just started sharing, like, talking about Jamie and how it was tough that he's leaving because he's invested so much, but she, she loves him and she releases him. And then she starts casting vision and starts talking to me about, you know, the next season of Sim and camp. And, and I'm just sitting there going like, oh, they already have it. Like, I don't need to remind them. So, I mean, we have an amazing group of youth here. And um, it's just really exciting to get to be a part of it and piper and danny they how long have you been volunteering piper Uh, four years okay and danny one year no that's not true because you and i know this because three camps ago you and i led a camp team together and you were on the worship team Okay, he's been in and out of here. Okay, so these guys are committed, and and we are just so pumped. And they're really some of my best friends, if you can't tell, because I just I just called you a liar in front of everybody. <laughs> okay, so you guys get my heart. I'm happy to be here, and it's an exciting ride. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. Look. Moving forward, if you have any questions, uh, thoughts, comments, please come see me or, or Amy, Piper, Dania. What, what I can say is we're an open book. You know, what you see is what you get. I, I love these guys. I'm so excited. Piper's been, she's been like a sister to me. I've known her since she was very young. And uh, she's just powerful in the Lord and gifted and called. Danny, I mean, it's just been become a brother to me. This guy just has a heart of David. And he's humble. He loves the Lord. He loves young people. He loves God's presence. He loves to lead people into it. And uh, he's just going to blow you away in the coming years. Yeah? Let's, ne- yeah. Let's bless them. Uh, next week, we're going to spend some time with Jamie. But this week, we want to commission these guys. I'm going to have you come down. Um, first, I'll invite their team because they have some incredible volunteers volunteer leaders that are just amazing, amazing, amazing people. And we want to bless and commission them as well. And then now we just need the youth parents, just the Vine Life family, whoever feels led. We want to commission them this morning, pray over them. Um, This is a moment of celebration. It's a defining moment in their lives. I will never forget the moment I stood on this platform and uh, just said yes to God's call in my life. It was just another step that all these people are taking. Um, so what I'm going to do is ask Jamie to pray over them. Then I'm going to pray over them. And then, uh, then Luke will come. Mm. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are so good. Father, in Jesus' name, I just declare that we are so elated right now. God, we are so excited. We are, we are so anxious to see what you're about to do, Father. I just thank you so much for each of these three people and especially as well our incredible volunteer team. God, I just thank you so much for the wealth and the depth, the deep wells of wisdom, the deep wells of love for youth, God, the deep wells of wisdom, Father, that these three and this team have, God. God, I thank you so much for the foundation that Jason built many years ago, God. I thank you for what you were able to let Granny and Danielle and I foster, God. And I thank you for this last season of Amy and I just just building, God. Thank you for working in this thing, God. And I'm just 
so excited that this, these three people right here, God, these, this incredible power team right here will launch this thing into the next universe, God. Father, there are some beautiful, bright days ahead for this family. And God, right now, if there's any questions for any of our students, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray a peace. I pray just um, a commitment to the family, Father, in Jesus' name. God, we know that we can trust you, God. We know that when you coordinate things, you know what you're doing. God, nothing can surprise you. Nothing can take you off guard. And God, we know that you are meticulously orchestrating this beautiful thing. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing here. And God, we just, we give them the authority of heaven. We give them the wisdom of heaven. We give them the understanding and the love of heaven to rest on their shoulders, Father, in Jesus' name. So that if they encounter anything that's a surprise or an obstacle to them, it'll be easy, God, because you are there in full glory and wisdom and love. Thank you for these amazing three people right here, God. We couldn't ask for a more incredible team to launch this thing into the next universe, God. Thank you, Father. And we now ask for anointing, God. That you would impart something new in them even right now. Your anointing, your power, your wisdom. You would equip them, God, with every gift that they need. Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill them up. And even in the gifts that we see, we would agree that, that they would increase now in Jesus' name. And you'd give them more. More of your power, more of your anointing, more of your authority, more of your spirit, more of your peace. We bless them as a family this day, Lord. Uh, this leadership team, just all the student leaders that are in this church, Lord, we bless them together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Awesome, thanks. Give them a huge hand, everybody. If you are a student, you guys can go now to the, to the back, back to the theater. And uh, Luke, I'll invite you to come now. Wow, fun day. Fun, fun day. It's a good family, huh? This is a good family. Love this place. Um, You guys doing well? We're doing all right? Um, I'm going to hop in. Uh, We didn't have time to get to this, but I was talking to Amy, asking her in first service if there's anything we could do as a Vine Life family to really come around them as they're launching into this new season. There are two things that came up. First of all, they're getting ready for the high school camp and junior high camp. They have six kids that still need scholarships. Um, they want to go to camp, they just can't. And um, I just want to encourage you, uh, after the service, to go visit Amy in the foyer. Uh, we, we need to send those kids to camp, okay? We need to make that happen. Uh, for myself, I know for Jason and even Jamie, we can point a lot of defining moments in our life back to that time where we got to go up with, with some peers to seek God together, and the Lord just bless us there. So um, if, if you have a few bucks, if the Lord's leading you, um, please uh, go send those kids to camp. Second thing is this. Uh, as you can tell, they really, we really rely on a team of, of leaders um, who volunteer their time to help mentor and, and lead our students in everything they're doing. And I know that even in this next season, especially, um, we just need some men. Um, we, need, we need some men who carry the Father's heart to be able to come and be with the students, to be able to part the heart of the Father. 
We need that badly, all right? And uh, I know sometimes you're not supposed to like say, we need you, we need you to do this. I'm just, I'm just letting you know what our students need is um, uh, people who carry God's heart for them and are not, a, not, a, not afraid uh, to, to, to make time to be with them and to carve out time to say you are important in the eyes of the Father. And so, um, so you guys got that? Okay, so if that's you, go talk to Amy after the service. Um, I'm going to just hop in here really quick. Um, this last couple of weeks have been great. I've just been learning a lot. The Lord's been showing me a lot of different things. I was think, praying about what to share today, and it was like, uh, Ray Hughes would say, I kind of feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. Um, I know what I'm here to do. I'm just not quite sure where to start. So... I'm just going to start talking a little bit. Um, the cool thing here uh, is that God is making us into a people. Um, you may not know that. You may have come in. You may be visiting here today. This may be your third or fourth time. Uh, you may be this is your first time in a while. But we really, what we believe is happening here is God is making us into a people. First Peter chapter 2 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Um, he's just talking about, you are, I mean, this is, God is bringing you together. He's not just bringing salvation to individuals, but he's making for himself a people. Why? It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we got to get this picture um, that we are not just a collection of individuals. We are a remnant. We are a people that God is making for his own possession. Um, God did not just rescue us into this vacuum uh, by ourselves. He didn't just pull us out of the pit and say, hey, have a safe journey. Glad I could help you out of that pit. Uh, see you on the other side. That's not what happened. He rescued us into a family. That's what he did. And so we are not apart from one another because we are bound through the blood of Jesus. What it says in the scripture is not only are we reconciled to God, but we're a people because um, that same reconciliation, that same forgiveness that he lavished on us is the same forgiveness that we have the power to lavish on each other. So we're bound together because we have the ability to supernaturally dish out what God has lavished on us. And so, so we have the ability as a people to bring peace and joy and encouragement and blessing to each other. And that's what the people of God do. That's what the family of God does, yeah? Okay, I think some of you are with me there. Uh, so what I want you to do is this. First of all, if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to ask the ushers to hand out uh, something for you right now, and I would ask that you don't look at it right now, uh, wait till later, just a little bit later, and uh, if you look at it, I'm just going to have to ask you to leave, no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah. So the kingdom of God, it doesn't take, take long to read through the New Testament, to read through the scripture and to see that family is a very important dynamic to describe the kingdom of God. Jesus shows up on the scene, and what does he start calling God? He starts calling him Father, Abba, Father. That was like, just like a new thing for people because they wanted to relate to God as Yahweh, an almighty God, and he's this and holy and this and that, and Jesus shows up. No, he's, he's Dad. He's Abba, Father. And... Um, 
And, and so here we are it, it, as the family of God. And there's a few things that pertain to our family that are the same with all of our families. And uh, we could probably make this list a lot longer. But a few things we can identify. First of all, in any family, children are born or orphans become sons. Okay? Children are born or orphans become sons. That's what happens when we're in Christ. It says in the scripture that we are born of God. So children are born, orphans become sons. And then um, sons and daughters, we live in the family. And we don't just become sons. It's not just me and God, but we, and sons and daughters are then called to live in the family, the context of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, to be raised up in maturity, to be called out for who we are, to be loved for who we are, to share the values of the Father. And then as we mature, there's that day that comes when sons and daughters are commissioned and say, all right, it's time for you to get out of the house, or it's time for you to expand, to reproduce, to what has God called you to do? We're going to send you out as an extension of the family to be a blessing to this world. And that's, that's kind of what happens in the context of family. And uh, I know that's not a new idea around here. We've been talking about family for some time. And really... Um, we're going to probably be talking for a while because we believe that that's what the Lord is wanting to do here, very um, just in the fabric of our culture here, to, to put an emphasis on who we are in relation to him, but who we are in relation to each other. But here's the problem. Um, the word father is kind of like the word family, uh, in that depending on how you were raised growing up, when you hear the word father or you hear the word family, you either smile or you cringe. Am I right? And, and what does that tell us? That means that the word father and the word family mean a million different things to a million different people. And a, a lot of that is because we look over the past five decades or so, we look at our culture, people that we've trusted in every sphere of influence and in, in business and politics, even in the church, people that we put our trust in, some of them have lied to us, have cheated, have, have, have stolen from us. And so because of that, any, people in authority in our culture, we, just, we have a hard time trusting anybody that claims to have any type of authority in any way. And not only that, but, but you and I both know that um, because of, even in our family structure, because morality has kind of eroded and just been thrown out the window a little bit, um, Really, our country is right now one of the most fatherless. It's one of the most fatherless times our country has ever seen, and in a very real sense. I mean, statistically, two out of five children actually grow up without fathers. That's staggering. That's an epidemic. That has to be flipped around, and so in a very real sense, we have physically fewer fathers, but at the same time, there's a spiritual component as well because. I just get the sense, as we look around, that the same sometimes is true in the church, that even as the family of God, a large part of us have forgotten what it means to be fathered, or how to be fathered well. In the family of God, so many of us have forgotten what it means to be fathered well. And so that's why it's not quite enough to just say, hey, we're the family, we're the family of God, yay, high five, and then then we all leave because that doesn't quite register all of us because that's a scary idea. That's an uncomfortable idea to some of us. And so uh, we have to do the work of redefining family a little bit. And the only way to do that, the only way to redefine family is to actually turn our eyes to the Father 
the head of the family, the father of the house, and say, what are you like, Father? What do you say about us? Who do you say that we are? And what, what, what are your values for this house? What is your culture for this house? And that's what I want to do for a second. I just, want to, I just want to use my remaining 18 minutes or whatever I have and look at the Father. Is that okay? And um, really, any headship, any health of a family is determined by the headship of that family. And what, how we view the Father at the end of the day, informs how we see ourselves and how we see each other, honestly. And so we have to, if we're going to talk about family for some time after this, we have to do the work of coming back to the basics. Say, well, we're going to talk about the family. What is the father? What is he really like? And so you guys have already turned to Matthew 3. Um, this is the passage where Jesus is about to get baptized. And I'll just read it for you. Matthew 3.13, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we see this picture. Jesus comes to the Jordan River. He sees John the Baptist. He says, John, I need you to baptize me. And rightfully so, John is taken aback. That's weird. Um, Why is the Son of God asking me to baptize him? And so he asks him that, and Jesus says, This is necessary for me to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, I'm making all things right, and that starts now. This this is what needs to happen on that path. And so John's like, all righty, you're the man. Whatever you say goes, right? And and so Jesus is baptized. We know that he's not baptized because he's a sinner, but what he's doing is he's going into the place of a sinner, and as he rises out of the water, it's foreshadowing to what he's going to do on the cross in a new life. Jesus. And so um, he goes and he's, he's baptized. As he comes out of the water, we read that the Holy Spirit comes on like a dove. Some light shines on Jesus and they hear a voice. And the voice says, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's this beautiful picture of the Trinity. They're all working together to send a huge message that, that we are together on this. And this is Jesus. And he is the son of the father, and the father loves him a lot. And the father is really excited. And those are really the three things that the father decides to affirm in him at this time. We read three things. The father affirms his relationship with Jesus by saying, this is my son. He affirms his love for Jesus by saying, whom I love. And then he affirms his joy in Jesus. With him I am well pleased. He's a son. That's my boy. I love him. And I'm excited about him. And what I think is the most fascinating thing about this passage is the timing of everything. Like, if you don't know where this passage takes place in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, you might take some other guesses, okay? Like, I, I have this really weird habit. I'm not saying it's a good habit. It's just a habit. Okay? I'm not saying it's a bad habit. It's just a habit. Um, I like when I read the Scripture to, like, to look at it like I, what would have happened if I wrote it, Okay? Because sometimes I feel like I can write things better in the scripture. Okay, now don't throw anything at me. 
Um, that, that wasn't a theological uh, statement here, but uh, okay, so let's do it like this. If a Hollywood producer decided to make a movie about the life of Jesus, and you know, you and I are writing the script here, um, we're getting ready, you know, Jim Caviezel's going to be in the whole deal, right? Mel Gibson, whatever. Um, we're working with the script, and then we're, we, we have a scene we want to put in. We want to put the scene in, the life of Jesus, about the time when the Father shows up, and he wants to affirm uh, who Jesus is in front of everybody, right? Like, okay, we need to work in this place where the Father's going to come, and everybody gets to hear how delighted he is in the Son. And so where is this going to be in the story? And so... There's a few other places that seem a little more natural to me. Like, how about the first miracle? That would have been an awesome time to do this, right? Wedding at Cana, water into wine. You know, the father shows up. Hey, everybody, you see what he did? That's my boy. He just turned waters into wine. Cheers, everybody. That's my boy. Isn't that awesome? I'm excited about him. You know, I could see the father showing up there to affirm his son, Right? Or maybe like, you know, when Lazarus is raised from the dead, um, that would have been a great time for the father. I mean, really, come on. Who's raising people from the dead, right? Lazarus comes out, bandages all over. And Jesus, you know, says, get up and walk, you know, and the whole thing. That would have been a great time for the father to show up and like, hey, everybody, everybody. Lazarus is good, but check it out. That was my boy. That was my boy Jesus. Did you see that? He turned the, four days this guy was in there. He smells. Jesus put them all back together. That was awesome. That's my boy. What about, okay, let's just play a, a trump card on all of this, all right? Res, okay, Jesus does the miracle of all miracles. At the end of his life, we read. What does he do? He goes to the cross. He takes the sin and the, the weight of sin from all humanity upon his shoulders with him to the cross. And then three days later, he rises from the dead to defeat death once and for all. And I, I, I could see this happening, right? I mean, you could see this on the big screen almost if this just happened. Um, Jesus, he's, he rises from the dead and we see the scene of the tomb and the stone starts rolling away and then just light starts pouring out. Then Jesus comes out in his robe, perfectly clean, right? And then a bunch of, not just one dove, but a bunch of doves come flying out. And then everybody's there, and then the father, you know, just, I mean, this is the trump card, right? This is it. He's just proud of his son. You see the father just in a deep, slow voice. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, right? And everyone starts cheering, yeah, that's Jesus, you know? That would have been a great time to affirm Jesus, but that's not what we see. The father's heart, the heart of God comes not after the resurrection, not after the cross, not after he raises a man from the dead, not even after he's done any miracles at all. The Father decides to affirm Jesus before he actually does any of those things. Before he even starts his public ministry. In this baptism, we see the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus and the Father rests on Jesus, almost as if to say, Jesus, before you even lift a finger, before you say one word, I just need you to know, you're my son, and I love you, and I'm really pleased with you. So because of that, Jesus 
He did not do any of those things to receive affirmation from the Father. He did those because he was affirmed by the Father. He did not work towards affirmation and safety and security. He worked from a place of safety and security and the love and the embrace of the Father. Before the game even started, the Father was like, Woo! Like really, try that at the next t-ball game. Right? Before they even start, before the, you know, anything's hit, before the home run, the game's not even started, nobody's even on the field, and you're in the bleachers. Woo! That's my boy! That's my girl! Everyone's like, what are you talking about, weirdo? The game hasn't even started. I know! I'm just so excited about my kid. I don't know, that seems so simple, you guys. But there's something that the Father wants us to see in all of this. You're thinking, well, that's Jesus. Of course the Father would be excited about Jesus, the Son of God. He's the Messiah, right? I mean, come on. I mean, this is, this is an easy one. Like, not me, though, because I, you know, I, the Lord knows what I've done. I mean, I've, I've walked away from him. I've sinned. I've done these things. I, I don't know what the Lord would say to me if I'd stop to listen. And here's a cool thing. Galatians 4 says this. Chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come... Uh, let me just stop. Any more fans of the fullness of time since the last time we talked about this? We should be really big fans of the fullness of time. I know we covered that already. I just, I mean, I just thought, thought we'd get a little cheer for the fullness of time. It is the best time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So it's not enough to say, no, that was for Jesus. That's not for me, because if you are in Christ, then you are no longer a slave, but you are adopted as a son. And Jesus is not just another person. Now he's your older brother. Jesus paved the way, he set the way, and the Father orchestrated this whole thing, I think, so that you and I can look and we can be reassured even today that when he looks at us in the eyes, he looks at you and says, you are my son and you are my daughter. And I don't care what anybody says, but I love you and I'm pleased with you. And whatever that does in your heart, whatever response that generates inside of you, is, is the very fuel that propels you into a life of greatness and a life of ministry and a life of blessing to the world. If we're going to be a family that loves each other deeply, we have to know what the Father thinks about us and what the Father thinks about the person you're sitting next to and the person you're living with. We have to be unshakable in those things. And really, the whole scripture is laced with this story. It's this meta-narrative of God making for himself a people that know his thoughts, that know who he is. Making for himself a family. That's what the scripture is about. And so what you have in your hands is handout. I just want to read this with you.
This is a letter from the Father to his children. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. I want, and I want to show you great things and marvelous things. You seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do far more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your dad. Yeah. This is, this is our Father. This is who He is. This is what He's clearly laid out for us. And I think maybe our greatest challenge is do we believe these things? Do we believe this? Do I believe this is who you are, God? And if so, how does that affect how I see me? How does that affect how I see the people I do life with? Because if I believe these things, that in itself will eliminate competition. It eliminates, it eliminates working for affirmation or trying to earn the love of the people in my life. Because when I know that the Father is in love with me and his deepest joy is to see me, then that does something to me that changes family dynamics, does it not? 
That's the Father. There's so much safety in the house of the Father. For some some of us here, I, I just know this is still a little tough to digest because this was not your experience growing up. The people you cared about, the fathers, the mothers maybe, your experience with your father may have been abandonment or false promises or abuse or just hurtful things. So when we talk about the heavenly father in this way, there's still something, there's still that hitch inside of you. I just, I just don't know if I'm there. Because I, you, I mean, you look at your family tree and, and